Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Matthew was already here on the Zoom call. Hi, Matthew. Present. And we have the season finale of Uh. season eight. Ready to go. We are done. This is it. How, uh, How have we already gotten through two full seasons of Over Our Heads? I don't know how you did it. Um, David, there is nothing like a good season finale. And this is nothing like a good season finale. <laughs> but um ching, yes, oldie but a goodie. Uh, yeah, we have got uh rites of passage part two, season eight, episode 24 sometimes called Rites of Passage 2, T-O-O. We talked about this last week with part one. Uh, This is one where you don't really need to have listened to last week's show to understand what's going on here. The two episodes were run on two different weeks and they really completely are encapsulated. There's really no connection between them. I mean, if there is in the fact that they have graduated, but the one thing that kind of held over to this that connects them is the fact that Tootie's going to leave for summer stock. Yeah. So the one thing is like a beeline, but it... it, it, Well, and we have the Blair LSAT score that she's waiting on. That was two weeks ago that she took that test. So so dare I say, David, good show bible episode good show or bad show (laughs) um i don't have a lot of there's not a lot of show bible going on here i do have a couple (laughs) but there's not this is not a heavy show bible uh required show i guess is what it is so uh let's get some nuts and bolts over with here did i say it was may 9th of 1987 that uh, this was run uh, it was run over two weeks. Uh, it was written by Michael Porius or Poris, Poris, P-O-R-Y-E-S. I say Porius. Uh, this is number three of five for him. What if it's Porus? His name is, oh, oh well, that's very porous. <laughs> <laughs> it absorbs moisture. <laughs> This is the third of five shows on which he will be working as a writer, but this is the first show written by him. The two previous ones were teleplay by him with story by other people. And remember, we discussed him when he was uh, mentioned in the show previously. He would go on after this to create a couple of shows you might have heard of, That's So Raven and Hannah Montana. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, and the episode was directed by not John Boab. What? <gasps> dum, dum, what? dum. He was like, season's done for me. Peace out, bitches. I'm going to Tahiti. He's like, I don't do sequels. <laughs> and that's why the confusion began, because it said, Rites of Passage 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and 
he was like, I don't do sequels. And he left the set. I've said everything I want to say. There is no more to this story. You can't top pigs with pigs. <laughs> well, Marion Deaton has been mentioned before. This is her second of three episodes. She previously directed Fast Food. And the next episode she will direct is The First Time. Is this the first time we've had a lady director? I don't believe so. I think there was a female director in one of the earlier series back in the Eastland years. Oh, I, nobody I can't. was watching then? Well, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? But Marion Deaton has been the associate director for 92 episodes, pretty much all of the final four seasons Marion worked on. Uh, and was the associate director. So we've also speculated John Boab might have just stayed home, been home with the flu. And they went, okay, Marion, you're up. You're next in line. There was Judy Elterman. The, okay, Judy Elterman. That sounds familiar. Yes. She directed um, Legacy. She directed All By Herself in season five and Bus Stop in season six. You remember it had nothing to do with Bus Stop. <laughs> <laughs> And Dolor Dolores Ferraro, the toast of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> there have been other female directors. Okay. I'm okay, still... well, good to know. Thank you for oh. looking that up. Are you ready for the synopsis, Matthew? Oh, my God, yes. Tootie heads off to work at Summerstock. <laughs> Natalie quits Senor Sombreros to take a writing class and decides that she is going to be returning to school full-time in the fall. Blair is planning a summer trip to Europe to distract her from how nervous she is to learn what her LSAT score is and whether or not she gets admitted to Langley Law School. Andy and Beverly Ann are planning a botanical tour trip in Beverly Ann's Winnebago, but Andy has a softball friend who has a family lake house that he invites Andy to and Andy would rather go there. Beverly Ann steps aside and says he's okay to go and then Andy has second thoughts and they end up finding a nice little compromise and then Joe who's really the main focus of the episode gets a very desirable corporate job developing computer programs for elementary schools. The guy who hired her is venturing off to create his own startup company in LA. And after some hemming and hawing, Joe decides to take the job, also knowing there might be potential for a romantic relationship with her future boss. Also, who is minding the fucking store? The end. Yeah. They're all just making summer plans. Oh, we're just trotting off here. It's like, it's like you're just a college store. You exist in peak skill. C clearly, what we saw last week, student body of Langley combined with the student body of Eastland, that, that ain't, it's not like that's such a huge chunk of clientele that when the schools close down, you close down. Uh, mm -mm. Nope. Yeah. Somebody's got to go to the ballet. Somebody's got to go to the that French restaurant with the three-piece band. <laughs> Someone's got to go to the drive-in that shouldn't still be there anymore. Never mind who's minding the store, David. Joe's just going to decide you own a business. Yeah, thank you. 
I wrote down three times. Bitch, you own a business. You're a partner. You are an equal partner. We think with Beverly Ann. We don't know what Beverly Ann's sitch is, but. It's probably not making you that much money and you want to, but nobody's going to be like, maybe one line. I guess I could sell my shares of the store. Mm -hmm. To, To you guys. But anyways. They do you love how they ditched Tootie right at the beginning? She is gone at three minutes and 30 seconds. And I thought Matthew is the happiest man alive right now. But why did they cheat her out of this final episode? Because David, I love a final episode. I, I love a season finale. Who mm-hmm. doesn't? And I would argue this isn't just a season finale. I will bet you dimes to donuts. They did not know if they were picked up for another season after this. Doesn't this feel like a series? finale like the show could have ended here no season nine yes and the reason my last thing that i wrote down was i'm very confused did they not know they were coming back and as i wrote that i looked up and it said to be continued so i guess i wonder if they found out between the shooting and the release of the episode and they added that or I'm going to do you one better. In the Daily Motion version, Matthew, there is no to be continued. It just goes to the end credits. Mm, then I would bet. I would bet they didn't know. And then maybe if that to be continued was in the broadcast version, that was them like, oh, okay, we are. Go- they did. They picked us up. We got one more season. So add that in there so they know that. Okay. We, yeah, we kind of made them feel like it's over. It's not over yet. There are times you get picked up for another couple of seasons. I remember seeing a TV Guide article that said uh, Charlotte Ray and Lisa Welto are both smiling so much because their series just been picked up for two more seasons. Like you do get two season orders. Sure, sure. But at this stage of the game, I I can't imagine it ain't year to year. Mm. And they apparently wanted a 10th season. Mindy said it in an interview. There was they wanted a 10th and they were like, eh. Mindy yeah. and Nancy were like, eh. So, um, yeah. But yeah, th- that's that's my assessment of it because it really does have a lot of finality to it. Tootie is going off to work in Summerstock. And the way they say goodbye to her, you would think she was going off to war <laughs> for an indefinite period of time. It's like, girl, this is Summerstock. And well, may I remind you, you have spent the last eight summers apart from each other. You have never spent a full calendar year living together. Your lives are still in school year cycles. Yeah, that, that well, I mean, she's also leaving not knowing if Joe's, oh, well, no, she doesn't even know that Joe's going for a job or anything, does she? Well, I think we know, I think she says good luck with your job interview before she leaves. Right, I think- but she doesn't know Joe's, Gonna get yeah. the job and then have to decide to go to Mallet. Oh, spoiler alert. She's gonna have to decide to leave. She doesn't know any of that. Yeah. So she's just leaving. <laughs> You're right. But then she's we would have gotten to go, I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. But uh, whatever it is, they got rid of Kim early on for some reason. By the way, uh, the, the episode begins with Blair and Joe hauling Tootie's bags down the stairs. First line of the episode is Joe. I've lived with Tootie for eight years and I've never noticed how heavy her clothes are. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
We do have some lovely parting gifts for you, but Joe, you have only lived with Tootie for seven years. The others have lived with her for eight. Unbelievable. Un-fucking-believable. Mm -hmm. So um, when Natalie says to her, well, you will write to me every day, and she says, Natalie, I'm going to be so busy building sets, making costumes, selling tickets, setting lights, collecting props, hanging posters. This is my first year. I'll be lucky if they give me a bit part. This is my chance to work behind the scenes and learn from the best. So I think that explains a few of the questions we had last week asking about, is Tootie a good actress? Clearly she went to this audition and they said, thank you for that lovely acting audition. Uh, would you like to build the sets and make costumes and sell tickets and set lights, collect props and hang posters? It is the most important role we have, ticket taker. <laughs> because <laughs> someone's gotta be standing there taking the tickets. <laughs> Oh, so why did she have to audition to get this? I think I think the narrative that we need to put forth is that's how good that audition was. That's how good Natalie's written monologue was. And that's how good her performance was. They were like, yeah, we really want to work with you behind the scenes. Yeah. Get off the stage, please. Thank you. We have another auditioner coming in. I felt there was a missed opportunity. And it's just me, but as a writer, I would have done it. When Beverly Ann says that she tried her hand at theater, <clears throat> they missed opportunity to mention South Pacific. Oh. All she had to say was, I was the best palm tree that that, you know, or something. But to get the same kind of effect, because she tells this horrible story about playing broccoli. But what a yeah. missed opportunity to say, oh, I was in a high school production of South Pacific or something. Yeah, my and mother told me I was the best coconut tree up there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Totally. Yeah. They could have even gone farther and everybody on stage saw my coconuts or something. <laughs> I, 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 I shook my coconuts better than any of the other girls. Yeah. There you but, go. We're writers, uh, bitch. We couldn't and this written. is a reference, of course, to Cloris Leachman did step in for Mary Martin and take over the role of Nellie Forbush in the original Broadway production of South Pacific in 1952, 50. 50? I, I don't know. I wasn't around then, so. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, the theater Tootie is working at is the fictional Jamestown Theater. Never heard of it. I Googled it. Does not exist. Uh, but they're... They're such a big theater company. They they held auditions in Peekskill. Maybe it was Jamestown, New York. That's where Lucy's from. They've got to have a Jamestown theater. It's probably called the Lucille Ball Theater, I would yeah. guess. But anyway. Well, I Googled it. I didn't see a Jamestown theater unless they have a different name. They might have been called that in 87. But anyway. The Moira Rose Performing <laughs> Arts Center. <laughs> My microphone. Um, honk, honk. Tootie's ride is here. And Natalie says, say hi to Jeff. And Beverly Ann's like, Jeff isn't your old boyfriend, Jeff? Show Bible good, Matthew. We are referring to Jeff. We don't see him in this episode, but Jeff's coming back next season and they're going to get married. We know that this is part of her future. Well, yeah, I mean, show Bible good, except the fact that I mean, I, well, I guess 
new show Bible, New Testament, I guess. The new, <laughs> the, the new Testament where Jeff is able to read yeah. and and as a microbiologist, for Christ's sake, never and mind. And he got a grant to do some marine biology research up at Woods Hall, which is only a few hours away from the theater. Right. Never mind the Jeff that couldn't read. Yeah. <laughs> and his friends helped him cheat. Huge hugs and goodbyes. Almost tearful. Bye, Tootie. And, uh, and I, I'm going to miss you. And Tootie gives a speech. I've spent half of my life with you. Now here we are all going off in different directions. Most people are lucky to have just one good friend. I got a whole house full. I mean, if that's not a swan song, I don't know what the fuck is. See you in September. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Okay, then. So you're in Jamestown. We can meet for lunch uh, on Sunday, right? We could. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's like you're spending a summer apart, but hey, the episode's got to do what they've got to do. If this was the end of the series, I honestly, I wouldn't have been mad at this. I wouldn't have been mad at this if this had been the series finale. Yeah. C- compared to what we get at the end of season nine, ugh, which is not looking forward finale. to it. It's not even a finale at all. No. So in the next scene. That's where Andy comes into the store with his friend, Jeremy, this kid we've never seen before. He's pretty funny. He's got good comic timing, too. This actor's name is Adam Carl. He has several series and voiceover work credits. He was also a coordinating producer for 40 episodes of pop-up video in the 90s. Oh, I love that. Well, Jeremy's family has invited Andy to the lake house that they own, And Andy would rather go there because there's going to be girls in bikinis. And, you know, Andy, he might be able to bang a few of those chicks. Oh. And uh, so Beverly Ann is like, well, you're not thrilled with this awful sounding botanical tour of examining fucking leaves. Like, it's one thing to create an event that, you know, one character will like and one character will not. But they have created in Beverly Inn, this empirically awful sounding trip that nobody would want to go on, let alone a 13 year old kid. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where Beverly Inn says, yeah, go, go on ahead. That's fine. But then later, so let's wrap up this Andy story. There's a later scene in the living room, Andy with Jeremy again, and they're talking about the trip. And <laughs> Jeremy's talking about roughing it at the lake and how you hook worms to go fishing and watching out for snakes and getting up at 5 a.m. and no bathrooms. And then when Andy says, well, what about the girls in the bikinis? He's like, there's no women in bikinis. And he's like, oh, fuck. So Andy does go to Beverly Ann and was like, I'd rather spend time with you. We can go on our trip. And Beverly Ann's like, nope, absolutely not. You should spend time with your friend. And he's like, okay, I don't want to goddamn do it. It sounds even worse than the awful thing that you have planned. So she does say, tell you what, let's take our trip, but we can go stop by the lake for a couple of days and you can stay in the camper in the Winnebago. They don't have to rough it. So that was a nice little compromise there. Their scene is over, but they are going on their trip because nobody needs to watch the store. Absolutely not. Why did they put, and I think this is one of the most important subjects to discuss in this episode on this the final episode final air quotes yeah 
the I why is Blair wearing a bow in her hair? Why is Blair dressed like Alice in Wonderland? Are you saying why is she being infantilized by? And it was like, she had two different outfits, didn't she? That had a corresponding hair bow. It wasn't just the one. It was like a red one and a blue one, right? Yeah. And the blue one was on this literally a polka dotted Alice in Wonderland dress. It, it, yeah, it was wow. And it looked fine on her. It, well, because she's young and gorgeous, but I don't even think in 87, a 20 year old woman would have been wearing that. Mm -hmm. I just, Oh. Yeah, there is a thing. And I, I will agree. It is weird. And I thought the bows were weird. But it's not as I'm not as mad as that as I am. Joe's hair in general that pulled back. Oh, it's just it's yeah. awful. She had such a good hair episode last week. And this she I guess she's trying to be businesslike with having part of the middle of it pulled back. But really? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it was fashionable in 87 for women to do that. It just, it looked mullety to me. Yeah. And the fact that she's going to, I mean, she comes down to go to her job interview wearing what looks like workout clothes. And I was like, she's been in pantsuits because the whole joke is that she's wearing a skirt for this job interview. She's got to go on. And they comment on it and tell her how chic she looks and everything. And I was like, I've seen her in pantsuits that look more professional. Yeah, some of her her stand-up, her Paula Poundstone things look more dressy. Even those, even the triple extra large shirts, rayon shirts that go all the way down to her mod level. Like, yeah, it looks like the moo-moos with pants that they would wear. Yeah, this jacket was like canvassy and casual. It looked like summer wear. Yeah, and it was just weird to me, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess it was very 1987. Speaking of summer wear, remember I commented a couple of weeks ago about Beverly Ann being in excessively bright tones? Yeah. A far cry from the Beverly Ann we met at the beginning of the season when she came in dressed like a pioneer woman, a uh, camper type. In this one, the outfit she wears in the first half of the episode, it's a light pink top bright red earrings and a coordinating belt, a darker pink full skirt with bright print of fruit on it. (laughs) Apples, bananas, oranges. The apples coordinate with the red belt and the red earrings. It's it's a beautiful, fun uh, and, you know, whimsical, like really a fun outfit, but it's like, well, where is this coming from? And again, I'm going to say it. It's only May. This is very summer. These, This bright, bright print thing, this is a very summer outfit. I still think we're a couple months too early, Beverly Ann. I'm calling you out on this. But it was what, May? It was going to air? Yeah, May. So, uh, it's been known to be kind of cold. So there are some... Uh, question marks about the fashion. Still gorgeous, of course. Beautiful people. We, you know, Diana Eden, we love you. Uh, let's move on to, uh, let's move on to Natalie's story. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, you mean the proof that Natalie's a terrible writer? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's pretty short to sort of 
re-synopsize that. It's just, she is, because she's decided to take a creative writing course and the professor happens to be an author whose work she admires. So it's a really good opportunity. I like that in the writing. But Senor Sombreros was giving her shit for wanting to take some time off. So she quit it. And I guess she was thinking she'd get another job or something. But because this professor gives her a low grade, she's angry at getting the C minus on the paper. And by the way, that's cut from syndication. The first scene after the commercial is cut from syndication where Joe is asking Blair for advice up in the bedroom. Natalie comes in mad. And they're like, really? The professor didn't like it? And she's like, yeah, and this was perfect. I'm a great writer. Okay, maybe I could have tightened that up. Okay, maybe this is better. And then she goes off into the other room. That's what was the precursor to the later scene where she comes down and says, wow, you know that bad grade the professor gave me? His suggestions really did work. And at the risk of being immodest, is that what she says? I am a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Really think you're ready for the Pulitzer? Uh, Natalie, yeah. like the poets uh, you're going to get from the from the newspaper article you're going to write when you were a teenager. I smell a Pulitzer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the nice thing is Natalie says that she is going to go back to school full time that this that this little exercise in having her work critiqued and taking a moment to get out of her own fucking ego and improve it, that she wants to go back to school full-time. And I do love her saying, that does mean Tootie is now going to be a year ahead of me, but I can still boss her around. I think that's adorable because Tootie was always a year behind her and they're besties. (laughs) Let's see, we've wrapped up Tootie and Andy and Beverly Ann. We've wrapped up Natalie. So yeah, Blair. She gets the letter and she made the 42 that she needed. Yeah. She's planning this trip to Europe. Again, don't need to mind the store. And, and she mentions being in Europe the first, you know, Beverly Ann's like, oh, it must be so exotic and all the locales. And, and Blair is like, ah, the first 20 times. Yeah, it's fine. It's like, bitch, when have you gone to Europe 20 times before this? Well, she, we know she's been to Paris once. At we least had Because fu- we had to fucking sit through it. <laughs> and all the French they had her speaking in those Eastland years, remember? Because the old player's a rich person, so she knows French words. That was some, that was some crack sitcom writing right there. Very bon. Very, very bon. <laughs> so then the second half of the episode is now Blair waiting for the letter from Langley. It's okay, you got, you got the score. She got 42, the minimum she needed. But she still is worried that that's still not going to be good enough because it's the highest low score or the lowest high score, rather. Uh, but then she does get it and she gets in. Ta-da. Ta-da. Okay, so now we're ready to talk about this Joe story. Hmm. And I mean, I really covered it. The, the synopsis did cover a lot of things. It's just wow, the developing computer programs for elementary Mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. And then later he comes and says that he wants to work with her. Yeah, after knowing her for a week. She's so amazing in this job. (laughs) Really? He wants her to dump everything in her life and move across the country to start his own company. Why does it have to be in Los Angeles? But no idea. 
first of all, this guy is played by the wonderful Jonathan Perpich. Yes. Oh. Now you know him. What? What do you? What do you uh, know him from? He played the second Dennis, um, or as we in the in the know call him, fake Dennis, um, in an episode of The Golden Girls where Dorothy's daughter Kate leaves her husband Dennis, and we met him previously when they got married, and it was two completely different actors <laughs> playing her daughters. And that and other her- Dennis has been on the Facts of Life. His name is actually Dennis. Dennis yeah. something. Yeah. We've, so both so both real Dennis and fake Dennis have been on the facts of life. There's the TV talkaholics, those two episodes featuring Dennis and fake Dennis on the facts of life. Oh, uh, anyway. I would love that. Um, we've been trying to figure out a way to do a Golden Girls, but we, we did Golden Palace, which is every uh, bit as yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so yeah, why does it have to be in Los Angeles? I, I, exactly. They couldn't, they couldn't talk by Zoom, really. They couldn't. Well, not even that. You're you're starting the company. So I guess you would decide. And wouldn't it be best to like start a company like this in a place that has two private schools? Yeah, where you had some type of a (laughs) connection to education where Joe went to both of those schools and was the valedictorian for one. Yeah. Anyway, so that kind of weirded me out. Then I wondered why they were going to like, seriously, she, we're supposed to get that. She's going to ride a motorcycle across the country. Sure. We're not, why we're not, not? We're not throwing that in the back of the fucking U-Haul that I'm taking across. Um, the- <laughs> I know. True. You think yeah. I'm going to sit straddled for 3000 miles on a motorcycle with a backpack, all of your, your worldly possessions, <laughs> On a fucking backpack. Really? Yeah. Do you know what I I would never have feeling in my pussy again? <laughs> you would never. You don't want to go near that after that's been on a motorcycle for 3,000 miles. You'd never get the leather seat smell out of it. Jesus. You're, ne- you're never going to pleasure the way <laughs> that humming, vibrating motorcycle did for three. <laughs> thousand miles for christ's yeah. sake <laughs> she would never be able to achieve <laughs> orgasm it will spoil her for every man <laughs> can you imagine how you'd be walking funny after one day of riding a motorcycle oh i never uh, have and i hope i never do Let's oh my god way. you'd be walking like john wayne for christ's sake <laughs> <laughs> Well, this guy, Eric, is the name of the character, played by fake Dennis. Uh, he is nice and light and fun. They do a nice job kind of trying to connect them and make there be some maybe romantical stuff going on. Uh, there's a scene later in the second half where he does this weird thing with putting his fingers around his eyes like goggles, and that feels a little forced. It's like, oh, okay, you went a little too far. Yeah. This, this had a, a lot of... Uh, uh, shadows of richard dean anderson in brian and sylvia where yeah. they're trying to make sure he's the wacky off the cuff. well excuse me that oh you, you you can't force that that whimsical stuff that give him a ventriloquist doll yeah Something. there you go comedy gold jesus yeah 
so, but yeah, educational software, other than that one episode where Joe talked to the computer, has Joe ever had anything to do with computers or talked about computers? You know, she was part of it when trying to fix it when Natalie accidentally hacked into the to the rival bakery's disc without a modem. I mean, I'm not saying Joe has never set foot near a computer, but we, just a couple of weeks ago, she was like, I'm looking through this book to try to find out what a job I'm going to do. It's like, what did you study? We never discussed a major or a career path. Well, didn't she didn't she already? And I what this was might have been before I was regular. Um, she substitute taught or something, didn't she? So we kind of maybe oh. can kind of say that, that she wanted to go into elementary education and then found this like as something that could be part of that, maybe. Somewhere but, she did say, I was thinking I'd like to work with kids. That did come about. And yeah, we did get that substitute teacher thing with the wonderful Joyce Bulafont. Right. For one episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like Blair's artistical uh, aspirations. It's like, ah, oh, it's there. It's not. It's there. It's not. But yeah. And I get that. Okay. Developing a computer program. I get that you need authors and content makers. I'm not saying she's going to be writing code. I, I'm aware that there are other, you know, contributors to the thing. Sure. But it's just like, okay. You know, I guess this, this keys into her. At one time they talked about her writing. Remember she loved journalism for that one episode where her teacher got busted at a coat party. <laughs> but you know, again, this there's been such a haphazard throw something at the wall, see what sticks, and clearly, clearly nothing stuck thing about these girls, particularly Joe, because Tootie and Natalie, thank God, at least we have them. We have Natalie yeah. the writer, Tootie the actress. I'm yeah. sorry, correction. Natalie the terrible writer, and Tootie the awful actress. <laughs> so I yeah, this is, again, this is a big overarching show Bible moment, or I should say lack of a whole bunch of show Bible moments that should have added up to something here to get us to this place. Yeah. But you're right. We have had the tiniest little nuggets of implication, but nuggets they were and tiny they were. Well, and this just, I mean, spoiler alert, next season, she comes back to Peekskill and goes to work at a community center like a youth, yeah, troubled youth center. Why, why not make her a teacher? You think you couldn't have spun that off? Well, what happened like, to the fucking job she left? What happened to oh, the job that she well, left? We find out about that. We find oh, we out do. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. That's good to know. But yeah, she could have been a teacher. And then make her a teacher at Eastland. Oh, what? Blair's going to be the print, the owner and principal and person in charge of Eastland while I'm a teacher? And I'm just from the streets. That's there's your there's your spinoff right there. Thank you. Would have been great. <laughs> and they Would still live together. Yep, of course. <laughs> In one bedroom. She can't get away from her. Yeah. Anyway. But thankfully, we don't have that store to slow us down because Beverly Ann closed the store to make a bedroom for Andy. <laughs> what? I have no I idea. I, I cannot wait to get to that episode. That's going to be the attic being next to the bedroom level of shit conniption that I'm going to be having. Oh, you're going to lose your 
fucking mind. <laughs> I know. I knew. <laughs> I'm looking forward to not looking forward to it. <sighs> so uh, the Joe thing is she initially says no. Blair is the one who encourages her to go. But in a in a supportive way, Blair's also being a little bit of a girl about it and saying, and he's cute. And as soon as he walks in the door, she's like, I don't care if he offers you a job. You jump on that cock and ride it. Oh, I'm 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 paraphrasing. She says something okay. like that. Okay. So uh, yeah, so Blair is also pushing the romantical side of it, and uh, yeah, so Joe initially says no to his face, and then as soon as she does that, everyone is like, "Well, I'm off to go do something connected with the thing that I've got set up and planned for my path beyond the end of this TV series." Yeah. And so then she's like, "Well, fuck a duck. I just." I just said I was going to stay here because I thought I had something to stay here for. And she goes up and talks to Blair again. Yeah. And Blair's like, well, well what the fuck do you want to do? And she's like, I want to take that job. And Blair's like, so goddamn take it, bitch. Yeah. She goes, you're all leaving and I'm just sitting here. You own a business. Yeah, you could be the minding the store. <laughs> you could be selling the bongs <laughs> and the CBD oil. You're not just sitting there, Joe. And the Jeff Stryker dildos and the uh, lube. Uh, yeah. And the, and the fuzzy handcuffs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the, what do they call the, what were the, the suckers, the, the sexy suckers? What were the. Oh, God. Sinful suckers. Sin, the sinful suckers. That's what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, my uh, God. God, God. Just anyhow. So, thankfully. Joe does have a change of heart. And I mean, it is a good opportunity. And here's the deal. I, I get that when you're 23, this seems like the end of the world. I mean, I was 24 when I got in a car and said, I'm going to move to Orlando, Florida. And literally had, I had my sister here and I had nothing else. I didn't have a job. I had no, I, I didn't really know what was going to be here waiting for me. So I, I get that it's scary to think about that and to think that, there's also no turning back, but it's like, girl, if it don't work out, you just come home. And that's what happens, apparently. <laughs> but the idea of that, you know, we've known so many actors who have gone overseas to work at a foreign theme park. And then it'll be like, oh, hey, well, my contract's over and I'm back home. And I'm like, how long were you gone? Three years. It's like, <laughs> the fuck did three years go? Yeah. Holy shit. So it's like, yeah, yes, you can move and do a job. And guess what? You can move again and do a different job. Uh, that's how that's how Orlando is, though. And also it's a town full of narcissists. So nobody makes you feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> True. When you go, Jesus Christ, I haven't seen you in three years. It's like, yeah, I know. It's never it's never. I, yeah, I miss you, too, asshole. It's always <laughs> like, I know it's been three years. Because we're all just trying to keep our head above water and scramble to earn a living. And there's, there's people I, I haven't talked to in years, possibly more than a decade, that I consider friends. And if I'm running to them at the Fringe Festival, whatever, it's like, oh, hi, oh, hi. It's not a, well, you haven't fucking texted, bitch. Right. Because we're all so narcissists. We're like, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't noticed it's been three years. I've been fully involved in my own life. <laughs> I, um, I, I won't say it's all narcissism. I mean, with me, it is total narcissism. But 
I mean, like I said, there's also the, we're all just trying to get the fuck by. We know we're all in the same boat. And I have no problem telling people it's like, you've been gone for three years. I am sorry. I am very self-absorbed. So yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, just totally. so you know, I didn't really notice, but yeah. I, I, I loved the final scene. Is that where we are? Our final goodbye. Oh yes. God, I love that. When you can see real tears on an actor, mm-hmm. I am here for it. Yep. And we also get mushy music. <laughs> we get the mushy music and the tears. Joe starts to leave. Um, oh, by the way, another show Bible bad before we get to this good moment that you love. Blair says to Eric, Speaking as Joe's close friend for the last eight years. Eh, again, I know you're trying to end the series and remind us that it has been eight years that you've enjoyed this show that is clearly ending right now. But, but we, you've only known Joe for seven. But we get again, one of my many times I will ask this question. Nobody at the sit down was like, you guys know it's been seven years, right? Like, yeah. you know, like Blair or Joe or whoever had that. In yeah, their line. Nancy McKeon herself didn't say, I have not worked here for eight years. Right. Nobody was like, you know, I'll know it's been seven years, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Just checking. You know, yep. you know that. Okay. Yeah. Man. But yeah, when Joe, it, they do a nice thing where Joe's kind of like, All right, we'll see you later. And they're like, That's it. Come on. And she's like, All right. So she gives hugs all around. We get the mushy music. And like you said, real tears. It's a lovely moment. Only opportunity missed that I wish we could have had. She should have hugged Blair last. Yeah. It was, I mean, it had Mrs. Garrett been there. Mrs. Garrett absolutely would have been the last hug. But with this, it should have been all of them. And the final should have been not just wrapping up our friendship, wrapping up the, the ultimate conflict, the of the whole series, but also the thank you for helping me work out that I want to do this. Like, you know, Blair in the, in the, in the short term was helpful to Joe to get her to this point. So yeah, I felt like that they didn't quite give Blair and Joe as a couple as strong a send off as I would have wanted, but in general, it's really, really lovely. I might have called back to that conversation, um, except switch sides where Joe might have said, you know, I didn't realize how much I would forget. I would miss the um, talking and Blair would have said the arguments, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean? Back and forth. Oh, the same scene they did last week, right before graduation, when they were in their caps and gowns. Except I would have switched it. So Joe was saying the nice things. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention last week in that scene, which I, again, I, if I recall correctly, it was, it was a week ago. Jesus, we were talking about this. Um, They were in the bedroom on the upper, (laughs) in the upper decker on the upper (laughs) shelf of of the bedroom and you, you know, an upper decker is when somebody shits in the back of your toilet. Right? Okay. <laughs> I know that. Yes, I do. I was <laughs> okay. seeing if I get a reaction out of you for that. Okay, just making sure. Well, the deal is they're in shadow. Like if Blair, no, if Joe turned her head, her hair was casting a shadow on Blair's face. 
Remember mm. we've talked about that. There have been these weird moments where the lighting has been weird and not flattering on the girls. I haven't had any, any standouts in, in recent weeks, but that was one I meant to mention last week and I forgot. But mm. yeah, if you're watching uh, part one of Rites of Passage, uh, episode 23, not this one, uh, take note of that, of the shitty lighting during that lovely scene of Blair and Joe having a heart-to-heart before graduation. And then, yeah, Joe turns back and says, well, bye. She goes, turns back and goes, deuces. Deuces. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Peace out, bitches. Suck it. But yeah, I was shocked when I was watching the side-by-side. I watched the two versions side by side and to see that the syndicated version does not say to be continued what that tells me is okay we're already in syndication they know there's another episode coming tomorrow but i will bet you i will bet you any amount of money when they filmed this they did not know if they were coming back and by the time they were in post-production they learned they were coming back and that's why they went uh, to be continued it's it's over it's over and joe's leaving <laughs> it was so it's been eight years and huh oh and and, and there's more <laughs> <laughs> now we gotta get joe back from malibu well i mean i know they sat around at that first writer's session for next season and they all went well, what the fuck are we going to do? We've got it. We've got Joe out in LA and they all looked around each other and they all said in unison, are you thinking what I'm thinking? They went, yeah, Richard Mall. Yeah. Someone says, well, we could move the show to Malibu. And someone said, did you not watch Laverne and Shirley suck a bag of dicks? Go fuck yourself and you're fired. How are we, how are we going to get rich? How are we going to get Dick Mall? <laughs> oh my God. His name was Dick Mole, David. Richard Mole. Oh, Dick Mole. Yeah. Oh, God. You go through life with the name Dick Mole? Dick Mole. But that's why he went by Richard. Hopefully people, did people call him Dick? I would imagine. Wouldn't why you? wouldn't they call him Richard? I No. <laughs> what I was going to say, let's, I'm look looking at- for any time I can call somebody Dick. Come on. <laughs> well, maybe what they should have done is they should have moved the show out to Malibu. And they're living in a beach house. But the wacky landlord is played by your friend and mine, Dick Van Patten. Shoot, shoot me in the face. I would be out. <laughs> oh, I could not then, stand a season with him. And oh. then Beverly Ann could come out and join them and they could become romantically involved. And then it would be it would be Dick and Bev. That would be your spinoff. Like, remember the Ropers? That successful spinoff from Three's Company? Dick and Bev. Oh, shoot me in the face. <laughs> well that wraps up this show this week this season matthew how are we at the end of season eight this is episode 192 of the podcast we've done 192 of these well we haven't you have oh true very true you haven't suffered like i have well i won't say that because you've only been here for the recent shows and those have been the terrible ones the eastland years of course are excellent and perfect every frame every line of dialogue yeah let's rewatch episode season one (laughs) season one notwithstanding so some might say that's when it jumped the shark david (laughs) do you think dick mole is when it jumped the shark Uh, 
But well, looking ahead to next week, we, as always, are going to take a break. We're going to give you some extras, going to give you some betwixt episodes that are still being hashed out and being determined. But uh, right now, I can promise you that for the next two weeks, we will be sharing another episode of TV Talkaholics. It was a big, long one. It was over two hours, so I broke it up into two shows, and it's where I discuss with my co-host, The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World. So if you have Disney+, Plus, look it up. Lisa Welchel's in it. Julie Pikarski is in it. And uh, yeah, you do need to pay for Disney+, Plus though, to be able to see it, unfortunately. But if you do have that service, the link is in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. Any parting words, Matthew, before we send our beloved listeners on their way? Do you do Blair's system when you try to fit, when you try to figure something out? Do you ever say like, okay, if somebody walks through that door wearing blue, I'm going to do it. Oh, Um, I do it all the, I do it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Steve does it. My best friend does it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he will do that. That sort of Rube Goldberg kind of mentality. It's like, okay, well, if that, if that bird flies over and shits on that squirrel's tail, before the squirrel crawls up the back of that tree, then I shouldn't go to see that movie at 1230. I should see it at 130. I don't know. I do shit like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find, I'm going to do this with the first person that is wearing glasses, like stuff like that. What are you going to do? I don't know. Like at Streetmosphere. Oh, oh, okay. That's good. Like, and honestly, I'm not, and, and, and I hope in no way it sounds like I'm dissing that. That's, that's beautifully you- magical thinking. I wish I was less, uh, you know, brainy, less thinking, thinking about yourself. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm happy with how much I think about myself. <laughs> I just wish that, um, I, I wish I, I had a little bit more magical thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm too rational a thinker. So to get into something that's a little bit more, uh, like that, I love Whim- and appreciate it, but I don't do it. Dare I say something that whimsical, David? I am no stranger to whimsy, Matthew. Did you ever get somebody named Dick in street mode that you had to say, this is Dick on the microphone? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did- oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we're yeah, doing 99 hosting, you just walk over to her and he goes, hey, what's your name? Dick. Dick. It's like. <laughs> and, and you can't because it yeah. happens so quick. And the whole audience is immediately like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just sitting there. Your, your thought bubble is fight it, fight it. Everybody knows that, but anyway. Well, then I guess that's, I guess there's nothing more to be said. So thank you guys for listening for for this week and for all the weeks for eight bloody seasons. Holy shit. I cannot believe you're still with us. I love you very dearly. Matthew, I love you too. And remember. The facts of life are all about David. Goddamn right. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week 
for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.